Welcome to NL Full Time, our end of season review. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me we have Joe Pope from Off the Line Blog. Hello, Joe. Yeah, it's nice to be back on the pod. Um, obviously, you would have heard me on our previous pod from Wembley, but yeah, nice to be back in the uh, comfort of my own home speaking about the National League. Yeah, fine job as well. Uh, down at Wembley as Halifax won by a goal to nil over Gates. Had yourself and Dickie did a fine job. Uh, also joining us to look over the season, we have BT Sport pundit Scott Doe. Hello, Scott. Hello. How are you guys? Yeah, it's also good to be back on the pod again. I haven't been on for a while, so uh, um, I think it'd be good to obviously talk about the season in the whole. Absolutely, and we're going to run through our pre-season predictions as well that we did. Uh, Rob's been at the uh, the National Game Awards, so we'll be hearing some stuff from that later on. But Scott, in terms of um, the National League, I mean, what a, another crazy season. Yeah, it was um, a, a very crap. Do you know what? It, every, I know we always, it, it kind of gets like a bit boring, like we say all the time, but it actually does get better every year, year in, year out. Um, I mean, I thought with those, uh, those playoff games that happened last year, you know, with your Wrexhams and your Grimsby's, and I thought, can that be topped? And then obviously this season, the, the playoff games were were magnificent as well. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a bit of a unique season in terms of the top two. Of course, how far clear they went that doesn't normally happen. Um, but on a whole, um, it was a very impressive season, and you know, it was just. I just think I just think more and more each year, more and more people want to watch the national league, and they just see how good a league it is, how good a standard it is. Um, and obviously BT do help with that, having the live games. I think, I know Notts County left it late in the playoffs in the end, but the best two teams went up. I mean, it would have been, we saw it with um, with Sheffield Wednesday, it nearly didn't happen for, for them. Well, it might still not happen for them, they are in the final, but for a team to get over 90 points and not get promoted is crazy. Notts got over 100 and it would have been even crazier if they hadn't gone up. Yeah, I mean... With the final outcome, obviously, no one can argue. And I, I think it's it's actually quite rare that you see not only, obviously, Wrexham won it, but the top three and, the you know, the top t- second and third get into the final. You know, obviously, uh, Knotts and Chesterfield. So it went to the league form. Even, uh, even Chesterfield, I think, finished on 84, something along those lines, which is a great total as well. Um, so they would have probably felt a little bit hard done by to be so far off obviously winning the league. Um, but yeah, I think every neutral, um, I mean, barring obviously Chesterfield on the day, would probably agree that Knotts deserve to go up. Um, the way they the way they pushed Wrexham all season for me was phenomenal. Um, that's nothing against like Wrexham, you know. They, they, they dealt with the pressure very well. Obviously, there was a lot of pressure on them with the signings they made. Obviously, people talking about money, etc., with the owners. Um, but the way that Knotts went about their business, I thought was really good. Um, and I think, do you know what? Even even Chesterfield, for example, like Paul Cook himself, I think he would probably admit that Knotts County deserved it. You know, it's. I know. I, know, um, I remember seeing an interview of Luke Garrard uh, before they before Boreham would play them, and he said Knotts shouldn't be in this league. 
what what Williams has done is a fantastic job. They're too good for this league. Um, but he said, you know, he just said, obviously, you know, we we obviously are a one day team, which is where they, you know, like a cup final team, which is where Bournemouth stood their chance, and obviously they run into the end. But even he said that Knox County shouldn't have been in the league. And I, what I'd add on that, Scott, is when we spoke to Paul Cook, the one mm. thing he actually said on there was, on the day, we were by far better than Notts County, but I can forego that for the fact that the actual real winner has gone up in Notts mm. County. So even mm. Paul Cook himself, as you said, he alludes to the fact that the right team won, not in the final, because no. they weren't they weren't as good as Chesterfield in the final, but over the whole season, they absolutely deserved to go up. Yeah, I think arguably the final, the final definitely Chesterfield were the better side that everyone could see. Um, Notts County, I thought Rodriguez was really quiet. Um, obviously he got, he got the goal, but really quiet. Uh, but yeah, I thought they were, um, even against Boreham Wood, to be honest with you, I didn't even think that they were, they were better than Boreham Wood. I thought Boreham Wood were fantastic on the day, but the way they, they, they never give up and they find a way and, as that final went on, I, I just kept saying to myself, I still feel like they're going to nick a goal. They're going to nick a goal, even though they weren't playing well. They've just, you know, they've just, it's just kind of the way, the way it was going this season. And like we said, um, in the end, it was them who deserved to go up. Well, in terms of the, our predictions, we were all spot on, apart from me and Joe. We got the, all the champions right. We all said Wrexham to win. And then it was split between Notts County and Solihull Moors. So Dickie mm. and Rob both went for Notts County. Myself and Joe both went for Solihull Moors. And how, how wrong we got that, Joe? <laughs> well, I'm sur- now that you say that, I am surprised and slightly disappointed in myself, actually. Yeah, um, same. The fact that I backed Solihull to... Uh, to win the playoffs. But, you know, at the start of the season, you would have backed him to at least be up there again. Um, you perhaps wouldn't have foreseen the fact that Andrew Dallas would leave sort of halfway through. Um, and that would have been big for them. Uh, and Joe Sabara, obviously, he had a really good season in terms of getting England C recognition. But it seems he's kind of, you know, petered out at Solihull. Um, and it looks like it's the end for him. So, yeah, massive job for them, I'd say, in the summer. Um, you always look at one team that perhaps may really fall away the next season. And at the moment, if I was plumping for one side, it would be them. Um, but yeah, um, we all managed to get the right team to win the league. Um, it's a boring answer, but you know, they were, they've been so good. So, um, yeah. Scott Derry asking your little BT prediction thing, uh, who, who you had as champions and playoff winners. I, I actually had, and I say the only reason I did this. I actually went against the went against the grain, and everyone said Wrexham, um, and I went against and said Notts County um, and Chesterfield. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it, it was purely because every single person at BT was going Wrexham, so I thought, you know what, let's mix it up. Uh, and I went for yeah, I went for Notts County. Funny enough, my my I actually had Solihull in my top four though. I I thought. I thought Wrexham, I thought Wrexham, Knox County, Chesterfield, and Solihull would be. I thought those four would be way clear of everyone else. I think we all expected uh, Solihull to kick on, didn't we, from last year? Yeah, I think it was because obviously they lost in the final, didn't they? Mm. Um, and yeah, and and they not not just 
it was the way they went about it that they finished the season really strong. I remember they beat Bournemouth three 0 then went into the playoffs and were really good in the playoffs. And then their home form was really good. And then obviously they lost in the final. But I just thought, yeah, I thought they would kick on. I thought it looked a really good side. But as Joe pointed out as well, halfway through losing Dallas is massive. You know, I know they weren't doing great anyway. But he's obviously well. We've all seen how well he's gone to do at Chesterfield. Um, they would probably be my biggest shock in terms of underachieving Solihull, I would say, this this season. Um, but yeah, apart from that, Wrexham, Notts County and Chesterfield, um, I think they pretty much finished where most people thought they would. And the thing I would add on that, Luke, is I said about how difficult a summer it's going to be for them. Um, I don't mind uh, slagging off my own team here and calling it the Torquay United syndrome because we've seen a team get to the final of the playoffs and lose and then lose all their big players. And you would kind of start to think that it could be that way for Solihull. You know, Sabara won't be there. Dallas won't be there. They've lost Gudger as well. Um, so, you know, they, they've got a lot of rebuilding to do this summer. And you hope after a disappointing campaign this year, they then, with more people departing in the summer, they don't uh, they don't struggle. Well, me, me and you, Joe, obviously had Solihull as playoff winners, but... The other two, Dickie and Rob, also had Solihull in the playoffs, so they lost points there. Um, most of us had South End. In fact, we all had South End in. They just missed out. We'll get onto them shortly. Boreham Wood were in there. We all had Boreham Wood, so that was five points for us. And, and Bromley as well, although yourself and Rob didn't have Bromley in there. What, what was your thinking behind that, Joe? Um, I can't remember exactly what I put at the time, but... <laughs> I, ma- I imagine that, you know, la- watching them at the end of last season, I just felt that they they weren't as good going forward. And I don't think they have been all that good going forward this season, to be honest, even with the goals of Cheek, etc. Um, and I just felt that better squads might see them through um, because Bromley have got a very young squad and I didn't know whether um, or not their young players would, would step up to the National League, you know, in terms of quality. I mean, Kellen Fisher has been a revelation. He got Young Player of the Year at the National League Game Awards this year. Well, he was on at Cray Wanderers last year. Um, so you couldn't have perhaps foreseen that he was suddenly going to do so well, um, given that he's been such a big part of what they've done. Um I think did who did I go for? I think went for South End, didn't I? You had yeah, you had South End, Halifax, Bournemouth, Notts County, and Chesterfield. So it was just Halifax and South End that didn't kind of come in for you in terms of who were in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at those two, obviously we'll come on to talk, uh, no doubt about South End. But I really liked the squad that South End put together. Thought they recruited really well in the summer. I mean, as you'd expect under John Steele. I mean, he's he is the best recruiter in non-league history. Um, and you know, I'm not taking anything away from Kevin Mayer there, but John's still behind the scenes. To fair, um, Joe, we all had Southend in, so it wasn't just yourself. We all had Southend in the playoffs due to the recruitment, and I think Scott, we we've kind of chatted, chatted about this a lot, haven't we? It's just the off-field stuff kind of caught up with them in the end, didn't it? Mentally, more than anything, yeah, it, it did. Um, obviously. You know, I know Darren and Kevin really well from Dagnum and and obviously Kevin I mean Kevin got John still in for that reason, of course, to uh, you know, knowing his his scouting network is is brilliant. Um finding these young gems and players and knowing the level. Um 
obviously what he did with Luton now look at them uh but yeah it's it's definitely the off field stuff i mean i think at one point it was um it was spurring the lads on you know it was kind of like us against the world type attitude you know like we've got all that noise going on outside but we keep doing it on the pitch um but i think like kevin and darren were like that's only going to last for so long you know it's going to um you know getting the players head of, of course of course it's going to you know if you're you're playing and and sometimes you know you're not being paid on time and players have got bills to pay and then you add the um then you add the thing going on with the young lad who went to woking um mm. the that's not a patter yeah, then the centre half. Obviously, you had that going on with um, him and it going to um, like court as such, you know, and that sort of stuff. So, I think uh, there was a lot of noise, um, and I I thought Southend would make the playoffs, and I actually think it's not an excuse. I think it's it's right. The only reason they did miss out was because of all that, because um, we we covered them. Um, uh, I covered the game for BT when they played at home against Notts County. They drew two two, and they were brilliant. They were on the yet again on the day they were better than knots. But um yeah, they fell short. They had a great run towards the end, but it's definitely that off field stuff that cost them this season. So sooner they get that sorted, um, the better, because it's a it's a great club down there as well. Interestingly, Joe, me and you were spookily similar in who we had in the playoffs, although randomly I didn't put Nuts County in. And I think because at the start of the season, and Scott may well agree with me slightly on this, is that Luke Williams is only the previous manager experience had been Swindon and it didn't last that long. So I thought, you know, sometimes when managers fail in the EFL, they go into the National League thinking it'll be a breeze and it doesn't always work out. But ultimately, it did prove it to be a breeze <laughs> a lot of the time. So it shows what what I know. But yeah, I was the only one not to have uh, not counting the playoffs at all. Uh, most of us did go for Chesterfield, Southend, Boreham Wood. Uh, as I mentioned, Joe didn't go for Bromley, neither did Rob. Rob put York City in there randomly. I I also put in FC Halifax. I thought they'd push on again. And towards the end of the season, they did show that form, certainly, by winning the FA Trophy. Um, In terms of going down, only one of us had Maidstone, which was Rob. Uh, I'm quite surprised at that, Joe, to be honest with you. When when you look at it in hindsight, you wonder what we're all thinking throughout the four of us. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's a couple of factors really as to why I didn't have them. As, or, or sorry, why I didn't have them in the bottom four. Um, I think Hakin Hayretin, yes, he did struggle this season um, for the games that he was there, but he is a good manager. Um, Another one that's been uh, under the pupillage of John Still. There's a bit mm-hmm. of a theme here. And, uh, you know, I, I, th- I thought Hacking Hay Retin would... I don't think he'd do enough to probably, you know, mid-table. I think I might have even put them in my predictions to finish just one spot outside the bottom four. Um, but I thought that his experience of the division and, and recruiting players would, would see them through. Obviously, we had Jan Luca that was brilliant in the National League South, was virtually player of the season. He didn't play through injury um, virtually all season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of factors. I think it's going to be difficult next season because you don't want to just predict the teams that have come up to then go straight back down. Mm. Um, and that's perhaps why I didn't put Maidstone in there. Mm. Um because you want to give the promoted teams the benefit of the doubt that they can adapt and they can adjust to the National League. 
And I think Joe as well, Mike, I think I was kind of like, well, how can Hiretan and most that made Stone team have been here before? So surely they won't make the same mistake again. And, <laughs> and, and, they, and they did really, they weren't, they weren't great. I mean, did, did you have them in your bottom four, Scott? Well, yeah. Do you know what? I, I actually had them bottom. Um, and the only re and yet again, obviously Hakan's another one guy that I've worked with and Terry Harris for many years. And it was not, it was not a reflection on um, them or the team as such. It was purely because I, just the recruitment side, um, they they obviously won, um, they picked Dork into the title, they won the title. But for me, they just, that, that jump up is big from the South to the National League is big. And you have to go and get, you know, you have to go and get quite a few players that have, um, you know, know the league, know the level, etc. Um, and I just don't think they did enough. Obviously, um, Luke was a big miss. Um, I know he was a huge player on and off the field for them. Um, but that that was purely the reason why is when 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 it come around to the start of the season, and obviously, you know, you see it all the time on Twitter, such and such has signed him, them, them. And for me, Maystone just didn't sign enough for me to think, yeah, they're going to, um, you know, they're going to go and kick on in this National League. Uh, it's It's a big step up. Whereas... I see the likes of Dorkin. I thought they'd done um they done quite like quite good um getting mm. players in, et cetera. And and obviously in the end it kind of um it proved to be um it proved to be right because obviously they ended up staying up. Yeah, none of us put Dorkin in our bottom four. We all put Maidenhead in apart from me. Um and I'm not gonna brag about it because but I just thought obviously they had the know how with Alan Devonshire, but this is the year that they actually they did nearly go, Scott, and while they remain part time, the league gets stronger and stronger every year and I think I suppose Alan Devonshire can only keep pulling out these hats for so rabbits out of the hat for so long, can't he? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I actually I had them just outside my bottom four as well. And the, purely the only reason is because of Devonshire. Mm. Every year they just they always seem to be a side that will play games um, and play teams around them and not really get great results. And then Chesterfield will come to their ground and they win. Mm. Or yeah. a, team come, a big team will come to Maidenhead and they just beat them. And I think they might have got a draw off Wrexham, maybe. Yeah, home. they did. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I think uh, none of the bottom three won at Maidenhead, but uh, sorry, none of the top three won at Maidenhead. Yeah. But then well, probably I think all the bottom three won there. <laughs> Yeah, so and that's what I mean, and that literally sums them up. So, I just thought they will survive because the know-how of Devonshire and they they know how to pick up the points. But it did fall away at the end, um, and I agree with you though. It, you can't keep doing that. Uh, the way the league keeps getting stronger and the teams coming up keep getting stronger. Um, you know, obviously. I'm sure we'll get onto it, but you'll see some of the sides coming up. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to keep getting away with, um, you know, just scraping it as such. Joe, me and you um, also put quite, again, it's quite similar what we, who we had in the bottom. We had, both had Yeovil, so we both did well on that. I put Barnet in, so I was a, I was absolutely stunk the place out on that one. Uh, I got min- minus seven, as did uh, Dickie. I think we both expected um, Barnett to struggle. And, and we'll come on to your manager of the year and maybe the surprise team of the year, Scott, because they may well be in there very shortly. All the shot were in there. Myself and Dickie put them down. Uh, Joe, you went for Gateshead and Wheelstone. Rob went for Wheelstone as well, along with Eastley. And I also went for Eastley 
along with Dicky. So you were the only one, Joe, who didn't go for Eastley as well. And Eastley also ended up um, just outside the playoffs. Um, Scott, I mean, in terms of surprise teams, Eastley, Barnet, Wheelstone would be three of those teams, wouldn't you, I suppose? Yeah. Um, Barnet, um, Barnet were uh, not not so much as the other two because I actually I think I'm sure I predicted Barnet to finish in playoffs and and the only reason being is I've actually I've worked under Dean Brennan he was my manager when I was at Billericay. um and he is just he's he's probably the best manager I've worked with in terms of man management um you know getting the lads on side and things like that um he's very very good at that uh and obviously did very well with his recruitment and that. Um, they, they they were still obviously a surprise in terms of where they finished, but I thought they had, I thought they had a brilliant season. And, um, you know, what, what a job he's done, obviously since taking, uh, taking the role full time as such. Um, they had, they had a very, very good season. Um, obviously, you know, losing out to Bournemouth in the playoffs is, is, you know, Bournemouth are a good side as well. Um, Wildstone, yeah, Willstone is, they're kind of like, they're almost like another one I kind of put in a similar bracket to like a Maidenhead. I thought the they've attracted some good players. I thought the signing of, I mean, for them to get Kretschmer after, he, you know, scoring the goals that he did at Woking, um, set plays and things like that, that was a great signing. Um, and obviously just, uh, just survived, but um, them easily... Yeah, I thought I thought Eastley um, towards the end of the season. I thought that they, they were brilliant. They were very very under the radar. No one was ever, no one was ever talking about Eastley at all. I thought Bradbury done a very good job. Um, they were just ticking away, winning lots of games at home. Um, but obviously, for all those three sides, it was a like a definitely overachieving, fantastic uh, season. Um, I did think the least surprise out of the three would be Barnet. Um, but yeah, very good season, in particular Wildstone. Uh, Joe, you, you didn't pick Eastley in the bottom four. Why, why was that? Um, I, I thought they'd recruited well. Um, I think they'd signed quite a... I mean, I mean, just because they've played at a higher level doesn't mean they're a good player. Um, but they'd signed quite a few players from the AFL. Um, I, don't, I don't think I had them in the bottom four, but I th- still think I had them sort of mid-table-ish because... I wasn't sure on Lee Bradbury, um, but he's proven me wrong. I think he's been brilliant. Um, you know, you've got teams that have got bigger budgets and better squads than him. Um, and for him to get them on the edge of the playoffs, he's done really well. Um, and it looks like they're going to be even better next season. I mean, they've only made one signing so far, but may end up as the best signing of the summer already. in Jake Taylor, who's been at Exeter and just got promoted out of League Two with Stevenage. Um, so... Yeah, I didn't put Eastley in because I thought they'd, they'd signed well. Uh, an interesting point actually on Wealdstone. Um, Scott obviously says that they were really, really good. And when when we spoke to Luke Williams after the playoff final, um, one of the people there was a, a Wealdstone fan and said, are you disappointed not to be going to Wealdstone again next season? And without any sort of um, cue or anything, Luke Williams said, Stuart Maynard is an EFL manager in the waiting. Um, so, you know, he obviously thinks highly. And given mm. his job so far this season, we wouldn't uh, go against Luke Williams' judgment. But, um, yeah, they, they've had another really, really good season. And as you said, the fact that they're part-time, it's going to be even harder next season. Mm. 
Um, and I, I think the re- because they started the season really well. Their second half of the season wasn't so good, and that's we saw that as well with Maidenhead. And I think that's you don't win as you don't win anything in the first half of the season. It's all in the second half, mm. and when you've got teams that are a full time, better fitness, the part time teams struggle to keep up in mm. the second half, and you've got to be overly good to actually keep the pace. Um, so yeah, I think they will uh, find it tough next season. Well, I think we all went for Eastley as well because, like you said, because of the recruitment, even though they were from the EFL, there were a lot of young players in there who didn't experience the, the hurly-burly of the National League. But again, um, proved us all wrong, so there we go. I put Yeovil to go down. Um, I didn't want them to because, you know, and they had a, at the time, they had a, a Talk United legend as their manager in Chris Hargreaves, obviously <laughs> someone that Scott will know well. Um, and I wanted him to do well, but there's two main factors that ultimately got Yeovil relegated: poor ownership and poor management at the top, and that's what and that played a huge part. And the other thing which I said, which would be the reason they would go down, is they still have no striker. Um, and I've spoken to Josh Staunton all season, and I spoke to him again this afternoon as we record this, and he said if we'd had a goal scorer that even got 10, 15 goals, we would have stayed up. Um, and you know the fact that uh, the fact that they ultimately decided, or sorry, the supposed new owners decided that Frank Newbell wasn't good enough, ultimately probably cost them a place in the National League next season. But um, yeah, it's uh, uh, I thought they'd struggle, and, and they did. So we'll get we'll get Scott's predictions very shortly. Uh, we all got thirty eight points because it's one point per goal. We all predicted Paul Mullen to be top scorer, even though it was Langstaff in the end. We. Myself and Dickie got the most clean sheets, uh, one point per clean sheet, 15. Uh, you and Rob went for Halifax, so you got 17. So you both did well there, Joe, and uh, certainly towards the end of the season. And you saw yourself uh, in the trophy final, why Halifax don't concede a lot. Uh, first manager to do part, sorry, everyone listening. Uh, <laughs> Dickie went for Lee Bradbury. Uh, Rob did as well. Uh, Joe went for Mark Mosley, and I went for Paul Cook. I just thought he wouldn't. I don't know um, that maybe the momentum that he didn't have at the end of last season would be taken into this season again. Shows what I know, Scott. So, do you, who would be your manager of the year then? Um, I would. Oh, quite a tough one. Uh, I would have. Uh, if I have to pick one, right? If I have to pick one, I think I'll go with uh, Luke Williams. Um, reason being exactly kind of what what you said earlier. Yeah. Um, the way I I kind of thought the same as you. I thought they'd be in the playoffs, but obviously he he just Swindon was his own main job. But then he'd come from doing like youth football, you know, like the the under twenty threes, under twenty ones, and and when I've watched them play this season, for him to install that type of football mm. and. To, and succeed the way they did, I thought was so impressive. Because if you look back over the years, I think there's not many, um, there's not there's not many teams um, that 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 play like that. Um, you know, I know back in the day, Crew played really nice football and had a great academy, but not many teams. I think Forest Green may be one of the only ones who play that foot sort of football and have got um, you know got promoted through doing it. So I think him um, and the other one, I think, for me, is probably Dean Brennan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably a toss-up between him and Stuart Maynard, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. 
Yeah, and ironically, when I was at Billericay, Dean Brennan was the manager and Stuart Maynard was the assistant. And obviously both great coaches now doing their own thing. Um, I just feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like they, Barnett, Barnett done great in terms of, it was a bit, it's now a bit sad to see, but, you know, we covered a couple of games at Barnett and I, I remember... I remember in the days of like playing Barnet at Underhill and they had some fantastic crowds and it was a real tough place to go, et cetera. And obviously it was a bit, a bit sad to see, you know, like some lower crowds at Barnet and things like that. And I just think, uh, I think Dean done a great job um, to get them where they finished and obviously getting them into the playoffs. I know they come up short, but I thought he'd done a really good job. Joe, you've not gone for any of them, have you? No, I haven't. Um, you know, I, th- I think, Phil Parkinson will get it because he's won the league with a ridiculous number of points. But um, I mean, I, I I picked five on my blog for the nominees, and I struggled to pick five. So um, I, I would pick Williamson. Um, you know, to to for a newly promoted team to come up and do as well as they have in the end speaks volumes of him as a coach. Um, and they're seen as a mini Notts County as well, Joe, aren't they? The way they play and stuff. Yeah, and you know, I saw them at Yeovil, and they got beat three-one early in the season. Um, and I said to the Gateshead um, media guys, I said, "You'll be fine," because they've got a manager that they all have belief in the way that they play. You know, even at three-nil down or three-one down, they still had the confidence to play. James Montgomery was still virtually in the Yeovil penalty box, um, and uh, you know, I think. He's done a fantastic job to get them mid-table playing such a good brand of football. He lost Macaulay Langstaff. He lost Kedwin Scott in the summer. Um, he's had to recruit on a shoestring budget. He's man- He's had a lot of injuries to, 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 to cope with. Um, he's gotten to an FA Trophy final. Um, and if you'd have said to um, any Gateshead fan at the start of the season that he would keep them or get them mid-table and get them a day out at Wembley, um, I think they'd have snapped your hands off. Um, so mine would be Williamson, closely followed by Kevin Mayer. Um, but I, I appreciate that, obviously, the, the boring answer will be Parkinson because he has done so, so well. I, too, would go for probably Brennan, Dean Brennan or Stuart Maynard. Mainly because Brennan proved me completely wrong, so I've got to really pick him. <laughs> Since I predicted him to go down. Uh, player of the year, Scott, I'm guessing it's between Mullen and Langstaff. It's got to be, has it? Yeah, um, I think I, I, I go with Langstaff. And I, I, I've said this I've said this point um, like a few times on BT when covering. And obviously... The way he scored, scored all those goals for Gateshead, just on your point as well, Joe. Yeah, they Gateshead have done fantastic for losing. When you lose those two players, and then you do, you end up having the season you've had, and they finished really, really strong. Um, who was it? Uh, that, um, I spoke to Ben Strevens. Um, Dagenham and Redbridge went there, and they got beat. And he said to me, it could have been anything. He said, we tried to press them. And he said, and they just popped it around us. He said they were incredible. So that kind of told me about Gateshead. Um, but yeah, I just think what I, the, the point I always make um, on Lane staff is the fact that he doesn't take penalties. Mm. But someone to 
to score the goals that he scored and he doesn't take penalties as well. It's just, it's just, it's, it's unreal. And all different types of goals. Um, him and Mullin, what they've done for the league was fantastic. But yeah, I have to go with Langstaff scoring that amount of goals in the season. is just insane. Um, and not one penalty. So yeah. Joe, have you got one or is it, is it anything different? Um, well, it would be out of those two for it. Um, I mean, you know, they've been t- they've been absolutely brilliant this year. Those two. Um, the one thing I would say is that even though he hasn't got as as many goals, Paul Mullin always scores in the big moments. Mm. You know, Macaulay Langstaff has gone missing in a lot of moments for not. Granted, he scored forty odd goals, so you don't mind if he goes missing in the odd moment. Um, but in the big moments, say in the final at Wembley, um, even in the playoffs, he looked pretty anonymous. But he has had an unbelievable season. Um, if I had to pick someone outside of them, then I would pick Ineffiong. Um And the only reason I'd pick him is because he's been at two different teams. So he's had to adapt to two different styles of playing. And he's been in two teams who have very little in the way of actual service. And for him to score as many goals as he has done... Um, you know, speaks volumes of him as a player and two teams that not only don't create many goals or don't create many chances, but are also in the bottom half as well. So he scored that many goals for two poor teams that don't create a lot. Um, and, you know, I think he's had a, a fantastic season. In terms of um, overachievers then and underachievers, Scott, who, who would you look at in terms of teams then? Um, so... Like we kind of said earlier, I think Solihull definitely um, underachieved. Mm. Like, and 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 I think they will they will obviously um, you know they they would agree with that themselves. Like we said, got to the playoff final. Um, uh, it, I think for this year, kind of similar to like Halifax. Now we would all expect Halifax to kick on from the season they've had this year. You know, get into the final. They finished the season so strong. Um, and Solihull, it just went the other way. Uh, and like Joe said, that they really do need to uh, uh, to recruit well. They've lost some big players. Um, yeah, they were a massive shock. I, I mean, I thought I thought playoffs was the, the least that they would do. You know, I thought they would be challenging up there. So they was a big shock. Um, Will, uh, like we kind of said, Wildstone, Barnett. Um, overachieving, in particular, Wildstone. Um, I thought they, for like we said, I mean, we 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 covered a game when they played Barnet at home, and Bar- Barnet actually won the game purely just because they were at that end of the game were just a bit fitter, you know, that that full time kind of kicked in as such. Um, but to finish where they did and have the season that they've had, because as we all know, the National League is you know, relentless games, travelling around games week in, week out. For them to do what they did on a part-time basis is is, is pretty um, is pretty spe- spectacular, really. Um, Scott, uh, could I, we chuck in, for underachievers, could we chuck Dagenham in there as well? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dag, um, d- yeah, Dagenham, for me, they, they keep, in my eyes, they underachieve, they underachieve in every season. I know, mm. I'm going to be biased, and I see them from where when I was there as a, as, as a football league club, um, and even at the moment, that's even starting to kind of like dwindle away from myself. You know, I'm starting to think now they look like a non-league club again, which is a shame. 
And I just feel like, especially when you've um, you've had new ownership come in, um, obviously, you know, put a bit put a bit of money into the club. Uh, but they just each season they, they're just the most they're they're probably the most inconsistent team in the league. Uh, I've just win win two lose three win you know that sort of thing and that is them all the time. Um, all, of course, look they lost Walker, uh, which was which was huge. You know losing Walker um, and I know um, who else? Obviously Marias that was quite late on. Went to Notts County um, and McCallum. And McCallum went Chesterfield, but like you said, I've, I've, I mean, I've played with Vinny F. Young as well. I thought he was brilliant. It was a great signing from uh, signing him. Dagnum not having Balanta for most of the season was a big miss. Very good player when he's fit, but I would 100% say they are underachievers. Um, mm. And so, you know, and that kind of showed because obviously the manager lost his job in the end. So, yeah. Joe, just a quick one for you. Would you class Oldham and Scunthorpe as underachievers or certainly? Expected him to struggle, um, maybe not go straight down like Scunthorpe did, but certainly, would you class them as underachievers? Um, yes, I think their fans, you know, whilst their fans have made it very clear, it's not Scunthorpe fans, Oldham fans have made it very, very clear to me that they didn't think they'd walk the league, um, but they would have thought they'd have better seasons than they have had. So they're certainly underachievers, well, certainly Scunthorpe obviously going down. Um, I think it's very difficult to say underachievers because the National League is so tough mm. that if you come down into the National League in the sit in the state that Oldham and Scunthorpe are, realistically, you should take a mid-table finish of stability. You'd snap your hand off at that. You know, Rochdale would snap your hand off at that right now. Mm. You know, give them a 12th place next season. Um, because I think Oldham will kick on next season. Um, you know, I've had my doubts over Unsworth, but I've been really impressed with the way that they've finished the season. So He's your best friend thing. now, Joel. That's why, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, he gave, me a, he gave me a big hug at Yeovil and I, the lights seemed to just vanish. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, um, he's done a fantastic job considering um, to turn it around, uh, get fans back on side. Um, so I wouldn't say underachievers for Oldham. I'd say perhaps more subdued season than they perhaps would have thought. But it's uh, a building block to to take for next season. Just quickly on the newly promoted teams coming up, then Scott. I mean, obviously you saw the playoff finals, but looking at three of the four teams that are coming up, all um, all full time. I think Oxford City are even going hybrid next year. So it's. You look at it and go, oh, it's newly promoted teams coming in. They're going to struggle, but not necessarily with the strength of the teams that are coming in. Yeah, no. I, I mean, at, I think Oxford City impressed me most out of the two games. Um, I thought Bra- Brackley on the day were very poor um, and Kidderminster were just, I don't know, Kidderminster just kind of um, had a bit more... They did enough, didn't they, Nelson? Yeah, a bit more now. That's the word. Yeah, a bit more now. and experience in the game, and just won it through that. Um, uh, Oxford City, like I said, were very impressive. Um, I thought they, I mean, I thought they put, obviously they play on their pitch. You know, it's another four G pitch. I thought they play on it very, very well. Uh, they were good. I think, I think Ebbsfleet, um, I think Ebbsfleet will more than hold their own in the national league, in my opinion. Um, 
got quite good backing, got some very good players there as well. And similar to Fylde, um, Fylde, Fylde are a big club, been in there before, which helps, you know, having experienced the league. Um, of course, it'll all be new to Oxford. We did touch mm. on that RBT, you know, they've they've got to, recruitment's going to be huge for them because obviously what players can you keep because players have been part-time all of a sudden, if you're going to that kind of full-time or semi-full-time, do you lose some players, you know? So it's going to be huge for them. Um, I think out of them, I think Ebbsfleet will probably do the best. I think they are in a good position to go straight into the National League. Yeah, you look at Ebbsfleet, failed, they're going to heavily invest. Kidderminster, uh, I think, have used the FA Cup money quite wisely this year. They're bound to have that left over as well. They're going to... The fact of where they are, Midlands based as well. Everyone knows they're a good club as well. So they could, you, you realistically, you could look at all four and say all four could stay up next year, couldn't they? You could. Yeah, like you said, yeah, you could. I mean, yeah, Kidderminster's another great club, you know, yet again, played played there many a times over the years. Um, as, it, as it stands now, um, I think although Oxford City impressed me the most in their game, I would think that they would probably look like struggling the most out of the four. And that's only because the experience the other teams have and probably slightly more backing-wise. And it's a little bit of an unknown for Oxford in what players can take that step up in terms of the full-time um, uh, and the National League. Uh, but like you said, there are four strong teams coming up and you wouldn't, Right, you wouldn't. Isn't none of them are definitely a side where you go, oh yeah, like they're going to go straight back down. Joe, would you agree with that in terms of the the four promoted sides? Um, yes, uh, I think Ebbsfleet will probably do the best on paper at this moment in time. But you know that that of those four teams, one of those may go and sign one or two match winners that suddenly change the whole dynamic of how you view a squad. So. I perhaps wouldn't be. I've seen quite a few AFC Fylde fans thinking that they're going to do really well. I wouldn't be so sure of them so far, mm. um, because I think they've got an inexperienced manager that's even learning how to be a manager, let alone trying to get a team to be successful in the in the National League. Um, the point I would make on 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 Oxford City, as I've been really impressed with Ross Jenkins. I mean, we may come to our predictions for the, the National League South and actually think I put Oxford City mid table and one of the Oxford City fans said, You'll you'll pay make you'll pay for that at the end of the season because we'll we'll do really well. And I said, No, don't see it. And that and they ended up getting promoted. So Ross yeah. Jenkins has done really well there. Really good job. I think what is going to be interesting and Scott pointed on it there about signing new players Ross Jenkins, the model that he's adopted at Oxford City is very much about let's not go out and sign really, really good players. Let's go and find players who perhaps haven't done really well elsewhere, but we're going to make them a really good player. And we've seen that this year with Torquay, where Gary Johnson's gone out and got the likes of Brett McGavin and Ryan Hansen, who struggled at their teams that got relegated. And Gary Johnson backed himself to turn them into really good players. And ultimately, it didn't happen and we went down. So I think it's going to be whilst balancing having to be successful in the National League, you're then having to bring in players who you're then having to actually micromanage and develop them as players first and foremost um, and turn their careers around whilst trying to be successful. So I think that's going to be a really fine 
balance to to strike. Brill, well, well, Scott, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks a lot, guys. It's amazing what a difference small, simple changes can make, especially when it comes to your weight. Getting started is easier than you think with the free NHS weight loss app. It helps you to take those simple steps to lose those extra pounds. Download the free app today. Better health. Let's do this. So I'm pleased to say joining us is an old friend of the podcast. It is Tom Wang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. Hi, Jay. Good to have you back. We'll uh, we'll get on to uh, your thoughts. Well, actually, we'll quickly ask your thoughts on, on what Scott said about the, the newly promoted sides. I know just before we came on, you, you said about Ebsley. You think Ebsley will be fine. And how, how do you see Oxford City doing as well? Yeah, so I think Ebsley, uh, I think I, I very much agree with what Scott said. And I think Joe as well is that Ebsley look to be the best position to do well next season. Um, they've got that experience of being full-time. They've got that experience of being in the National League not too long ago. Um, and also, I think with the, ex- I think they've they've released four players. They've released Finney, John Batty, Monlui, and Romain, and none of them have been key players from the season. So all the people they want, would have wanted to retain, they've retained. But like Dominic Polian, I'm not going to say he could have a Langstaff esque um, rise to step one, but I think he could have a very effective um, rise to, to step one. He has been cut uh, like a cut above the other strikers in this division, this league. Um, you know, sort of. It's, it's almost there's those those games where he just sort of decides he's going to go and score a couple of goals just to make it safe, does it, and then just calms down again. Um, and I think it's going to be really good to see the likes of him and uh, in, and some of those other players in the forward line, Sterling, James, Bingham, etc. Tanner, Tanner still will be excellent at, at national league level. So yeah, really well placed. I think Oxford. Um, I think it, it was Scott made the point like they have been flying. All the promoted teams have been flying. Who can they hold on to versus who's going to get interest from? the top end of National League and, and Football League. Um, and one of those players that's going to be absolutely crucial for Oxford is Zach McEachran. I think if they can keep Zach McEachran and if they can keep Andre Burley, then they're going to be really well positioned with the other players they drop in. And Joe was absolutely bang on in terms of the way they recruit. They recruit either players who haven't done so well at other clubs and need that sort of like rebuilding into being like good level uh, step one, step two players. But also they're very good at recruiting from the academy system. Um, like the likes of Zico Asari came in and did a really, really good job for them. Um, Andre Burley's done the same, and and don't be surprised to see them pick up a few gems who will go on to like look really good, aged sort of twenty one, twenty two, um, next season. So yeah, I think they're both going to be well placed. Um, right. I, I certainly don't think either of them are going to have a made stone of the season. And I think that might actually help them their model in terms of finding players that haven't done so well elsewhere. The fact that they can sort of develop them in that. Because they've basically made their name at Oxford City, they somewhat feel obliged to stay on. And, you know, look at Clyde Lolos. He was at Torquay, struggled. Obviously, you know him well. He was at Plymouth. Um, You know, struggled for form, struggled for confidence, sort of everything. And then he's gone to Oxford City. And, well, I mean, he's been a different player. Obviously, he was injured for the last parts of the season. But he's been absolutely brilliant for Oxford City. And, yeah, it's going to be a hard model to maintain, given that you're stepping up. But I think it may help them in the long run. Yeah, Tom, just just quickly on the, on the teams that were in the playoffs in the south, were Oxford the, the team that stood out for you to get through, or were you quite surprised it wasn't someone like a Dartford going up? Um, so if you were to look back at uh, the Hampton Russian Borough Forum from about three weeks ago, three four weeks ago, um, my pick for winning the playoffs was Oxford City. Um, I thought if it wasn't them, it would have been St Albans because you can never count against Sean Jeffers just winning your matches. Um, 
Dartford, I think Dartford are a very Alan Dowson team, and I think they'll be better next season once he's had a full summer and uh, and everything to get them where he wants them to be. You know, look at he brought in Harvey Bradby for uh, like eight games towards the end of the season. He scored five goals. That was his first bit of business in the summer was to make Harvey Bradbury a permanent signing from Dorchester. He's going to start building that team in his image through the whole summer now. Um, they were functional. They were hard to beat. Uh, but one-off games, I think the likes of Oxford, I probably would have even had Worthing as being a better footballing side in a in a one-off match than Dartford as well. Um, Worthing, they're they're a good they're a good team. So looking, at, we'll look at the South predictions then. As soon as we mentioned about the playoffs, and um, three of us all went for Ebbsfleet to champions, except you, Joe. You, it was the other way around. We all we all kind of went for Ebbsfleet, Dartford, or Haven. You went for Haven as champions. I mean, talking about underachievers, Joe, I think they all jumped straight into that bracket, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, one thing that you uh, one thing that you need to know or learn this year with my National League South predictions is I gave everyone the jinx. So, um, you know, I said that Haven would win the league. I said that Slough would be pushing the top two close because I really like their midfield. Um, and basically none of that happened. And Oxford City, who I said would be a mid-table, went up. So, um, yeah, but haven't are definitely the underachievers. Um, you know, they wouldn't have expected to lose Jason Pryor, um, you know, a really good goal scorer at this level. Um, losing him was a blow, but the season was virtually over by then. Um, and, you know, they have struggled. Obviously, they've lost Paul Doswell, who went back into a director of football role and has since even left. So it's going to be very difficult next season because Jamie Collins is stepping in as the sort of the, the main man. Um, and they've already lost quite a few good players. Um, Paul Rooney left, which I find very odd. Um, I've, he's a player that I've really, I really like. If I, um, um, you know, look at Torquay. I mean, you know, Aaron Jarvis is staying on supposedly, but someone will come in and offer us a bag of crisps and we'll probably say yes. Um, you know, we need the money. And if you've got a player scoring 20 goals a season, you'll, you'll, you'll get rid of them at the top of a hat. Obviously, you don't want to, but mm-hmm. yeah, money's money. And that's how teams at this level survive. But um, yeah, so having a definitely the underachievers. Um, big budget, um, bought in some really good players, bought in obviously prior. They brought in Danny Wright as well. Um, he... Didn't really didn't really work out for him. Um, brought in Jake Andrews as well. So really experienced team at a higher level under a manager that's won the league before, um, but it didn't didn't work out in the end. And it all went a bit sour in the end. You know, mm. it was sort of this Paul Doswell is going to get us promoted, and he's done it before, and it just sort of fizzled out into nothing really. Yeah, there was a lot of brown stuff hitting the show, if you like to say, wasn't there? Um, which uh, it's kind of a lot of infighting, and it's probably best that Doswell did go, and almost like they've got a, a clean page now. At Dartford, as we mentioned, they uh, they lost in the semi-finals, um, and they Dicky put them as playoff winners. We all had no, we didn't all have Dartford actually in the playoffs. Only myself had Dartford in the playoffs. Uh, Rob and Joe didn't. Um, we all had. Oxford City, and apart from yourself, Joe, so you're right about your predictions, really, in terms of your jinxing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, in the fact that I, I had Slough in there and I they sort of fell away, there was always going to be one or two teams that, that I didn't have in there that missed out. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Oxford City would would struggle only because you know they. I didn't think they'd. Um, I didn't think they'd added particularly well in the summer, but you know, don't want to sort of dig myself out of a hole here. In that the model that Oxford adopt in terms of finding players that aren't very good elsewhere and back themselves to make them good players. It's very difficult to go and put confidence in a team where they are bringing in a core of players who haven't done very well on past performances. You know, you can't guarantee that players are going to just have a breakout season. You know, I, w- I wouldn't have expected Clyde Lolos to do what he did this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good good on them. Obviously, Ross Jenkins, who I was also a bit unsure of because he was inexperienced, but he's done a fantastic job. Probably the coolest and calmest manager I've ever seen. Um, didn't even celebrate when they won the playoff final. Kind of just said, yeah, we're up. So, um, so uh, yeah, uh, they've done a really good job this season. And, you know, that little bit of uh, momentum um, took them all the way. And they've been so good to watch as well. I agree with Tom's point. Zach McEachern, if they keep him, he's going to be uh, brilliant. And also, what an important playoff final win that was for Oxford, because with the restructuring of the league or like just like redrafting the boundaries, the reality was if they hadn't gone up, their travelling would have been, been higher next season than it will be in the National League. Um, so obviously, like operating costs go up without the revenue that you're going to be generating to playing at a higher level. Um, and I think it could have been a really difficult situation for them, um, as it almost certainly will be for Bishop Stortford. Yeah, we mentioned, Tom, that that was the elephant in the room and they've avoided the elephant, haven't they? They've managed to sidestep it. And, and now Bishop Starford, as we mentioned, will be coming into the North next season. They've actually lodged an appeal against that decision to the National League. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we can, Joe, don't worry, you can hold mine and Rob's beer because we both predicted Dulwich Hamlet to be in the playoffs. So, uh, again, uh, we've uh, got minus seven on that one. Um also, I predicted Eastbourne and Bath City. So, yeah, I've had a bit. I think my lack of Southern knowledge is, uh, is coming in there a little bit. Um, I don't think you can be I'm, I'm going to defend you a bit on there. I'm going to defend you a bit on Bath. Uh, I mean, so, Eastbourne, yeah. actually, not a bad side, but I'm going to defend you on Bath because I think without that horrific injury to Alex Fletcher, they yeah. Fletcher and Cody Cook would have scored 20, 25 goals each um, if they'd been playing together all the way through the season. I think you could be looking at quite a different outcome to that prediction. Yeah, Rob also predicted them. Uh, you did, sorry, as well. Um, there was only myself and you, Joey, predicted Batsby in the playoffs. Dickie also predicted uh, Weymouth and Helmel Hempstead to be in there. Um, Rob predicted Farnborough. They just missed out and also Chippenham. Uh, and you had Slough, Welling and, and Dover, Joe, who I think were all in the bottom five, were they, in the end? Yeah, that's a bit of a stinker. That is, um, <laughs> you know, I... I when I looked at the, the signings, um, I mean, talk about underachievers, absolutely welling, got to be in the conversation. I mean, how many players have they signed this season? They've got enough to make about four sides um, and not one of those sides that they put out was any good. Um, so, yeah, they, they've been awful. Um, but... I know you had Feeney as first manager to go in it. I think you're pretty amazed that he, he didn't in the end. It was actually Gavin Rose at Dulwich. He beat Oldfield by about three days. But I think most Welling fans would really wish you were right on that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's been shocking. Obviously, another one that you know at uh, at Plymouth. But Do you agree with him, Tom, on that? On Feeney? Yeah, on, and Welling in general. Uh, yeah, I think Welling. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to caveat by saying I think Hampton have underperformed this season. Um, I think we would definitely expect it to be shooting for the top half. 
Um, but I, I've never agreed that people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I think it's a lot more fun that way. So, um, yeah, Welling definitely underachieved. Um, I think Warren Feeney is, it feels like he's on borrowed time there uh, with the general mood of the fans, like the some of the scenes at Welling over the last few weeks of the season is with arguments between him and supporters in the ground and things like that, um, that were then playing out um, with fans being quite critical on Twitter. Uh, it doesn't bode well. I think what they do have going for them, I think um, Sam Cox is very, like a very strong presence behind the scenes. Very uh, good. He's pretty, pretty well respected around that division. Um, he will have a pool with players as well. Um, I think that it'll be really interesting to see how they go about replacing Adi Aziz, who's obviously gone to Billericay on a two-year contract. Um, so I think they're going to have a bit of a rebuild to do. I think they've got, again, pretty decent backing this summer. But uh, yeah, definitely agree with Joe. They're an underachiever this season. And, and flipping it... Sorry, Joe, go on. And obviously, <laughs> Dover I put in there as well. I think mm. the reason I put Dover in there is because I actually re- I really rate Andy Hessen-Tyler as a manager. I know it didn't work out for him this season, but I do rate him as a manager. Um, he brought in a lot of experience in the summer, people that know the division, um, and that some of which had been there before. And they it was odd because... They started the season with a really experienced team, an experienced manager. And then halfway through the season, they kind of said, right, let's bin off all that experience and bin off Hessenthaler. Obviously, Hessenthaler left to a really good job at Gillingham um, as director of football. But they sort of binned off all their experienced players, binned off their manager and went for an inexperienced manager. And Mitch Brundle was the, uh, the manager and they reverted to what they were in the National League last time we saw them, which was a team of youngsters, basically. So, so yeah. That, so that's what I have to say, Joe. I, I agree with you on that. But I also, I think there's um, I think there's a bit of complacency and potentially arrogance in those, in that decision-making was they essentially, they thought they were safe. Um, they looked down the table, they saw how bad some of the teams beneath them were doing and thought, yeah. we're going to be safe here. Um, and they culled a lot of expensive players and started, you know, you see it time after time in the non-league game, like people then start saving budget for next season. Um and it just it looked an awful lot like that's what Dover did. Um, yeah. I think it's quite telling that when you look at their retained list from this season, they have only retained four players from that group of players that finished the season. Uh, I think they've released 14, um, which is a pretty damning indictment of how they viewed their squad come into the season. Um, I mean, I have to say, we played them away with about a month left of the season, and it was one of the worst home performances I've seen from the team all season it was they were really really cool flipping it on its head joe then obviously you uh went for a lot of teams that were gonna that actually struggled in the playoffs and you tipped teams that were going to be relegating and did really well i.e worthing and braintree <laughs> so uh then yeah. we had you had taunton town in there as well which is understandable and chesson you got spot on as well uh don't worry joe i'm not gonna so uh i'm not gonna take myself out of that because I predicted Chelmsford to go down so there we go uh, but I did predict Concord and Hungerford and also Tartan Rob went for Chelmsford as well as well as Concord and Chesson he also predicted Tunbridge Angels and then um, Dickie also predicted Welling, Braintree, Tunbridge and Slough all all of whom barring Braintree were uh, so well Tunbridge were, were up in the top half weren't they but equally Slough and Welling you could have, have made a case for Joe so it's been a funny old season in a way though hasn't it yeah, and I think Tom, uh, I think Tom summed it up really well at the start in that this has been one of the poorest National League South seasons we've seen. 
Um, not in terms of the quality of the teams, that's been harsh, but in terms of if you wanted to win the league, there's a really good opportunity um, because from sort of outside the playoffs downwards, it was pretty much a nothing. Um, and, you know, on Braintree, what I, so much praise has to go to Angelo Harrop, um, taking over after Ryan Maxwell. Lots of players sort of in and out, a uh, real big turnover of players. He He's managed to find some gems in there. I mean, that man is a magician because he's got Chris Regis in midfield, who I saw at Torquay under Gary Owens, and oh my God, what, you know what what a player he's turned out for them this season. I can't I can't believe what a job he's done with him. So he's done a fantastic job. With regards to Worthing, I was perhaps most critical on them only because I didn't know how their football, their style of football, was going to translate internationally itself because they're so open and so expansive. It was basically really going to be really, really good or really, really bad. They're basically a darking, aren't they? Like the way yeah. they play. You know, they're, they're so good to watch. Adam Hinshelwood has, you know, he, he's, he's done so well on a, not a, a big budget, a moderate budget, but bringing through so many young players and, you know, the, the way that he's able to play such a good brand of football. Um, and he's quite quickly adapted his system slightly. Um, to, to make their to make it more mainstream for and streetwise for the National League South. Um and there's been a couple of players in there who've really excelled. Ollie Pierce has been brilliant. Joel Cole Brown at right back is pro- in my opinion he was the best right back in the division. And I say that with a heavy heart because I love Maxwell Statham at Dartford. Um but but um Joel Cole Brown has been brilliant for them. Uh so yeah, you know hats off to them. Also, I have to say, well done to Rob Dre at Taunton. You know, I've banged his praises all season on the podcast. Um, yes, he's um, you know he's got a good budget to work with, but for them to come up, not score very many goals, it's a very fine line to then you know to do well. And defensively, they are outstanding. Um, they're Jack Bycroft in goal on loan from Southampton. Getting a new goalkeeper in to replace him next season would be massive because um, he was the standout keeper in the division by an absolute mile this year. Um, he's been brilliant for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, what is nice is the th- those three teams have done so well, all by playing different styles and not the biggest of budgets under fairly inexperienced managers. So it's nice. Nice to see that. So I think like your point on Braintree and, and you talk, we talk about the strength of the league. I think Braintree have really exemplified that is that re- realistically a, a squad like Braintree should not be getting in the playoffs. Um, it, like in a season where, where some of the bigger teams and some of the more well-resourced teams have lived up to their potential. But Angela Harrop's done a, a really well, really good job in at looking at the league and realizing that by building a functional, solid, hard to break down team, you only need one or two match winners and you can go out and actually take and, and get a playoff space in this division. Uh, Lamar Reynolds, who I think I saw today, has, has moved up a league. Uh, he's gone to Maidstone, actually. He? He's moved to Maidstone. Um, Lamar Reynolds has been excellent for them. Um, getting in Aaron Blair on loan was crucial for them as well. Um, and also Alfie Matthews has added a real touch of quality when he's been on the pitch as well. And then they, they have used the loan market well. I think John Benton came in and was excellent for them for a short period. Brilliant. Jack Paxman came in and was excellent for a short period. Uh, Antti Janney did likewise. And I just think they've been really clever about the way they've managed the season. 
um, dripping in a few players here and there, whilst keeping like the, the back back line seem pretty consistent uh, yeah. across the across the season. Um, and Jack Sims is an excellent goalkeeper as well. Um, and then yeah, Taunton, Taunton are fascinating. I think I, I looked at Taunton coming up, and you know, I was pretty confident they'd be absolutely fine. They just they just smacked off big town team coming up from the leagues below. They're going to come up and be absolutely fine. It's what I think Western are going to be very similar next season. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see how Taunton adds to it. I think we were talking off air a little while ago about them adding Austin Booth from Plymouth Parkway, a player that I know you and I both think really highly of. Um, I think they could, they could look quite good next season. Leading scorer, we myself and Dick had Sean Jeffers. So we got 27 points, one point per goal. Uh, Dickie, sorry, uh, you, Joe, and Rob went for Jason Pryor. He got 13 this season. Uh, he got, yeah, he got 13 this season. So you were, uh, you get 13 points in terms of most clean sheets. Quite a low bar sat on this one. Dickie went for Weymouth, so he only got five points. I went for Dartford, so I only got seven. Well, Rob went for St Albans, so he only got eight. And you went for Slough, Joe, and only got seven. In terms of first manager to depart, Dickie went for Jay Saunders. I went for David Oldfield. Rob went for Robbie Simpson, and you went for Warren Feeney. Uh, well, in Joe, who's still there as we speak to this day, uh, I, I missed out on the points by three days because Gavin Rose went first on the 11th of September. So in the National League North, we all got the two teams that went upright, just not all in the right order. Well, I say not all in the right order. There was only me. You got it in the wrong order, as usual. Everything upside down. I had Kidderminster to win the league and filed to win the playoffs. Uh, and yourself, Joe, Dickie and Rob had filed to win the league, Kidderminster second. So you can all pat yourselves on the back about that. It was pretty, pretty much of a formality, wasn't it, Joe? I think, well, I say that, although Kidderminster, massive props for them for winning three away games in a row to, to win the playoffs. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, to, to win the playoffs is one thing, but to win by playing so many away games is even better. Um, and they've done really well. They always say, beware of that team that has that little bit of um, momentum at the end of a season. And that's certainly right for Kidderminster. Um, you know, sort of come from nowhere, really. Uh, won virtually all of their last sort of 10 or so games, uh, got into the playoffs. And, you know, that's why we backed them at the start, because they have got star quality. Um, you know, Ashley Hemmings did really, really well in the playoffs. He got some big goals against Brackley um, to win them promotion. They got players in there like Shane Byrne, who's one of the best central midfielders in the division. Um, and then you've got players at the back, that are experienced, like Sir Christian Pierce and Nathaniel Knight Percival. Um, so they've done really, really well. I think I actually went for Amari Morgan Smith as the top scorer uh, in the division. Uh, uh, you did, yeah. So you got 10 points for that. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a risky ch choice because he's perhaps not a, an out and out goal scorer. He's more of a target man to link the play, but he's been fantastic for Kidderminster and he's actually won the National League before, so he gives them some some nous up front as they go into the, the National League. Um, but yeah, a really good job and it just goes to show what happens when you stick with a manager and have trust in a manager um, that, that they can do it in Russ Penn. You know, a lot of Kidderminster fans were calling for him to be sacked earlier in the season. Um, and he's done a really good job. He's had to adapt the system slightly uh, and bring one or two players in and out. And uh, yeah, done really, really good. Playoffs, we all went for Boston, so we all scored zero on that. 
Rob actually did the best out of the three of us. He got Brackley, Chester and Kingsland in the playoff spots. He also went for Spennymore, who just missed out. So he nearly he nearly did uh, nearly got four out of five on that. You, Joe, you went for Boston, Spennymore, Darlington, Peter Sports and Brackley. And again, just kind of missed out with two of those teams. I went for Boston, Buxton, Brackley, Darlington and Charlie. Um, again, missed out on three of those in that last day drama. We could have had more points than we actually did. And Dickie, who's our North expert, went for Kingsland, Buxton, Charlie and Alfreton as well. So we got Alfreton and Kingsland correct. Buxton, Charlie again, just missing out. And then Dickie had an absolute shocker in that. He went for Chester to be relegated. Uh, so he got minus seven on that one. He also went for Blythe and Scarborough. Blythe, he stayed up by the skin of the teeth. Scarborough, who just missed out on the playoffs. And he also went for Bradford Park Avenue. I went for Peterborough Sports, Blythe, Kettering and Farsley. So I was basically, again, last day drama missing out. I could have had about 30 more points here than I actually had. But for those that pesky last day in the National League North. And then... Rob went for Farsley, Blythe, Bradford Park Avenue and Scarborough. Again, he could have done even better with uh, those without those last eight dramas. And Joe, you went for, again, Blythe, Kettering, Farsley. So basically that last day in the north has, has, has stuffed us all up, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, it was so good. Um, right until the end, the National League North provided drama. Obviously, we had Fold and Kings Lynn at the top. We had Kidderminster getting into it <sighs> and then winning the playoffs. And then we had lots of teams. I think it was all the way down to 13th on the final day. Could all get into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, an, an unpredictable season. Um, nightmare for our predictions. But, um, yeah, a really good season, really good watch. And, um Obviously, with Fylde gone and Kidderminster gone and some big teams coming into the league, it's going to be uh, yeah, really interesting to see what happens next year. In terms of top scorer, we all scored quite heavily, except for you, John. Although Amari Morgan-Smith, you could say, offered offers a lot more than just goals. But myself and Rob went for Glenn Taylor, so we got 23. And Nick Carton went for by Dickie, ended up with 26 points. Most clean sheets, Dickie went for Brackley, so he got 16. I went for Boston, so I got 12. Rob went for Fylde, who got 18. And you also went for Brackley, Joe, so 16 there. First manager to depart, I, uh, Dickie went for Lee Glover at Kettering. I went for Tommy Widdington at Kingsland. Rob went for Jonathan Green. In, and you went for Russ Wilcox, Joe, who, who has now gone, but wasn't the first to go. The first manager to go in the north was actually Terry Mitchell, who went, I think, the day after the first game of the season, which uh, I don't think any of us could have predicted. But there we go. <laughs> No, um, you know, I think a man for a manager to be given the whole preseason and then to be sacked a day into the season, um, you know, bit of a bit of a shocker, um, and we couldn't have predicted that. Perhaps, perhaps over the whole season we might have predicted him getting sacked because you know it's always difficult for the teams down near the bottom that they perhaps want to change their manager and get the different bit of luck um, for their side. But um, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it's never nice predicting who's going to get sacked as a manager um, in our predictions. Um, obviously, only a little bit of fun, but uh, yeah, not not to be for Terry Mitchell. Well, Rob's uh, not with us on this pod, but he has been at the National Game Awards and he caught up with Macaulay Langstaff while he was there. Macaulay, we're sitting here at Plough Lane. Um, season's finally over. 40-plus um, goals. 
there was always going to be an expectation to score goals coming up from, from Gateshead, but you, you scored even more this season. Did you have a target in your mind, even if you didn't share it with others? No, genuinely never. Um, I've been asked a lot in interviews, have you got a target for the season? And I never set a target because, I, like I said in the previous interview, if if you reach a certain target, say if you set yourself a target of 20 goals and you reach that by December, January, which I did, um, then you could become complacent and stop doing the things that have got you there and just be happy with your target and not try and push on. I was like, I try and score every single game, whether we're playing top of the league, bottom of the league, any, every single game anyway. So I go out with a mindset of, of scoring goals um, and then at the end of the season, I'll, I'll look at my target and say, have I reached it or not? Have I, am I happy with it or not? Um, yeah, I can't complain with 42 goals. And we were talking earlier off air and uh, you're a Middlesbrough lad. Growing up, were you always a striker? Were you always about goals right from a kid? Um, from being from being young, yeah, I was always a, a striker, uh, number nine. But then when I, I developed into sort of men's football, 17, 18 year old, I became more of a winger. Um, I started developing physically, so I was more, more of a winger, going past players, you know, I, I was quite quick, so... I didn't really play as a striker then, um, and over the next few years it was more more as a winger. Up until last season, like I said, I was I was still a winger then. I always had a natural goal scoring instinct that I developed from young because I was a striker from young, so I've always had this goal scoring instinct. Um, but yeah, never been a I want striker until I obviously met Luke Williams and, and Kate Manos County, and he's taught me so much, and he's, he's the reason why I scored so many goals because he's gave me so many tips, uh, worked with me quite well a lot, um, and yeah, like I said that. T- transition from a winger to a striker and score 42 goals I'm really pleased with that Was it a deliberate thing not to take the penalties or did uh, Ruben Rodriguez just get in there first? Well Ruben took them last year um, and a really good return in terms of, of converted penalties um, so he was naturally the, the penalty taker going into the season and he was unbelievable at him. he scored 8 out of 10 I think so that is an unbelievable return if I were to say I want the penalties that would have been for selfish reasons and not for the best interest of the team because Ruben's our best penalty taker stats show that so if the best chance of us scoring the best chance of us winning is Ruben taking the penalties then he was always going to take the penalties yeah of course as a, as a striker I would love to take penalties but it's it's not I don't think that too much because I know I can score goals from open play um, if Ruben wasn't there I, I, I would have took the penalties but he was there so fair play to him he scored the penalties and yeah I got one in the playoff final and put my foot through it I've, I've never really took penalties all throughout my career I've never really been the the best penalty taker I don't, I don't think I'm a good finisher of the ball but I've, I've never that's never really been a skill of mine but to score in the, in the, in the playoffs when it mattered that, that was a good feeling and uh, so we're just watching the uh, pitch being relayed here at Plough Lane which is a ground you may well play at next season what does the future hold for Macaulay Langstaff I know you're contracted with Notts County but uh, uh, how's this, how's, how, do, how do you try and sort of dig deep go again and improve on losses yeah just keep on working hard and keep on working with the manager I've learned so much from from a short, short period of time that I feel like I'm going to keep on learning um, the future yeah I, I'm contracted in the last county I've got two years left on my contract uh, my mindset is, is having a good break now and then getting back to pre-season with them you know looking around the stadium yeah, this is a new stadium I've never played in the football league so there's so many new grounds I can look forward to coming to and this is one of them so it just gave me a taste, taste of things to come but yeah my mindset's fully on Notts County and, and helping them progress because I feel like we can challenge again next year and uh, a lot of fans talk about what it's like to be at Wembley and a lot of players talk about what it's like to be at Wembley and you've been in a very lucky position doing both in the last week haven't you you've been there as a player and then as a fan uh, going, to, going to support your old club yeah it's strange I spoke about it earlier because 
when you when you play there, you don't enjoy it too much because of the, the pressure, the nerves, the occasion. You just want to go out and do the job and get away and, uh, and hopefully win the game and promotion and, and that's it. But I went as a fan a couple of days ago to watch Gator. Obviously, I've got a lot of friends, friends there, close friends. So I wanted them want to go and support them against Halifax. And I actually took it in more. I, I looked around the stadium. I was like, this is unbelievable. It almost felt like I hadn't been there because, like I said, the week before, I didn't really enjoy it as much because I was just trying to focus on on winning the game. But the week after. I went as a fan and enjoyed it a lot more. You know, I was a lot less nervous and looked around the stadium and took it in more. So it's just great to be able to go there twice in the space of a week, one as a fan and one as a player and win a promotion there. Well, enjoy a break when you can get one and uh, all the best for next season. Thank you, mate. Cheers. And that is it. We're hopefully going to be back next season with some more pre-season predictions. This is episode 50. So what a good way to go out on episode 50, half century of episodes this season. Uh, my thanks to you, Joe, for all your contributions this season. Yeah, thank well, thank you for the opportunity on the pod. Obviously, two trips to Wembley that I didn't expect at the start of the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was great to, to cover the, the FA Trophy and uh, the three national leagues. And a fantastic job you did on the FA Trophy, I must say, as well. Um, yeah, I managed to make a very dull final seem very interesting. <laughs> uh, and also thanks to Dickie and Rob, and, and, and thank you as well, Tom. No, thank you for having me for your uh, curtain closer for the season. Uh, have a great summer, everyone. Give us a follow on Twitter at an L full time, and we're on Instagram as well. See you all very soon. In fact, see you in a few weeks. Stay refreshed, and we'll be back doing it all again soon. <laughs>